This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Appreciate you being here with me. Uh, it's a lovely uh, Thursday. I uh, hope you're enjoying yourself wherever you are. It seems to me that it would only be fair to point out that the rhetoric surrounding Trump and the opposition to the administration has just gotten completely insane. You know this, we've been talking about this, that, that's nothing new. But even in an environment where we know that there are so many people who absolutely uh, hate this administration, it's worth point. Oh, and can I just step back actually for one second? I would like to point out, if we're going to talk about this, which I guess we are because I'm the guy who determines the content on the show, uh, I think it's also only fair to point out that the media now is trying to rehabilitate their treatment of George W. Bush. They act like they miss Bush, that Bush wasn't so bad, that Bush was okay, that everything... Meanwhile, I remember when Bush was treated like a... and was, I shouldn't just say treated like, was called a war criminal by people. I remember when there were those who were taking the position that George Bush was a monster. Uh, and that, I think, should be something that we keep in mind here as they now pretend, as they now play this game, where they are able to act like they weren't being such complete and utter lunatics back in the day. I mean, here's, you know, this is this is on the Ellen show. And here's what they're saying about uh, here's and, and more relaxing. But um, I have to ask you what you think of what's going on now. Well, I think uh, this isn't the first time our nation's ever been divided. Um, I remember what it was like when I got out of college. There was a Vietnam War and a draft. There were major race riots, there was political assassinations, the president was nearly impeached, and a lot of people thought the country was going down the tubes, and it turns out we're too strong to go down the tubes. And uh, so I'm very optimistic. So, so as you can hear, the, you know, the crowd is clapping for him, and they're all, oh, Bush is, Bush is so cuddly and nice and good, and he's been non-political since he finished. Uh, finished in office. 
And then we, Ellen uh, continues with this interview. I want to play a little more for you. And it criticized his successors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I am. Uh, they're clapping, they're clapping. I'm happy to be off the stage, yeah. except this one. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for being on this stage. So uh, this, is, this is a concern, though, for me. I, I'll bring it up, and this is not political. This is really- Here it comes. I love that. This is not political. This is where we get to act like being terrified of a Trump presidency isn't, isn't political here. Really something that I think is important. Um, obviously, the, the media was not, you know, great to you. They're not great to most presidents. The media is yeah, tough. You expect them to be tough. But Trump is raging an outright just a war against all press and not allowing press mm-hmm. to, to do their job, which I think is a very dangerous thing. Okay, 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 okay. Cut, 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 cut. How is Trump not not allowing the press to do their jobs? Is it the Trump administration that has come out with plans to curtail the First Amendment? Because the Obama administration did that. The Obama administration was pushing for the right to ban books before an election under Citizens United. The Obama administration was wiretapping the phones of journalists as part of their hunt for leaks. But... That doesn't matter if you're a journalist. Now your sources all of a sudden are compromised. The government knows about them. So, but how is, you know, he lets, that, that comment is just allowed to go. First, she says it's not political. And I don't think that uh, Ellen is someone who's all all that. Actually, I, I shouldn't speak about it. I don't know. I was going to say she doesn't strike me as somebody who's politically disingenuous. Although I don't know, I don't know her work at all. So I shouldn't say anything about it. But there she's saying it's not political. It clearly is political. And then you get Bush sitting there. Look, he's trying. I understand. Bush is a shadow of the guy he was when he took the office. I think that's worth noting. Uh, Bush, when he took office, was a really, you know, kind of a swaggering, confident guy. He was actually in, in very good shape, too. Not to bring up something that's a non sequitur, but I remember there, the uh, pieces about how he was, you know, he was like a guy who was running six minute miles and it w- w- was a really. A vibrant, vibrant guy. And by the end of his presidency, and I, I remember talking to him at the, towards the end of his presidency, he was a shadow of his former self. I mean, he just looked, he had aged tremendously. Yeah, eight years, I understand. That's a long time. But he had aged tremendously psychologically as well as physically. And he just looked kind of shrunken down. And But now they're acting like they like Bush, that he's not so bad, that it wasn't such a big deal, that he's fine. You know, there's no... No problem here, and we miss him, and he's great. Anyway, he doesn't want to get into it with her, I understand, but she says something like not allowing the press to do their jobs. If you're going to say that, you should have to offer some evidence for that. But now they pretend that Bush wasn't a war criminal. He didn't lie. You know, Bush lied, babies died. That all goes away, and it continues. And they like him even more because he makes very innocuous statements like this. That's what I believed when I was president, post-president. The nation needs a free and independent press. And the reason why is, is that power can be very corrupting. And we need a press corps to hold politicians to account, including me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I didn't like it sometimes when people said things that, you know, uh, about me. But, you know, that's the job. I always viewed the relationship. I'm going to drop a big word on you. Uh, symbiotic relationship. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Four syllables. Yeah. Look, it's a, it's, a, it's a light interview, and I get that. And I don't want to be the guy who's running around uh, yelling all the time about how 
you know, everything has to be everything has to be taken super seriously. But you got a former president here sitting down with a woman who has a talk show that is nationally syndicated and and seen by millions of people. And there's a rewriting of history that's going on here, in a sense. Not not just from her. This is a more general perception. And that is that they didn't hate Bush almost as much as they hate Trump. The truth is they did. And the truth is that they referred to Bush as a war criminal and a hateful and evil and bigoted person regularly. And and, and one of the most unfair and um, most unfounded criticisms of all, I mean, you could all of these are unfounded. I don't think any of the stuff that's been said about Bush that's truly terrible has any basis in reality. There are some lighter criticisms that I make. He wasn't that conservative. He's not a scholar. He's not a particularly intellectual guy. He's not a dumb guy, though. That's that was it. And that was another thing. They always said he was so stupid. Oh, Bush is so dumb. That's not true. And it was really to the media's discredit that they would run around with that uh, that notion and, and build it up all the time that Bush is so dumb. He I can I can tell you, having had uh, multiple in-depth policy conversations with the president while he was the president. He is not dumb. Uh, and they created this whole story about how he was just a buffoon and such an imbecile. Anyway, um, so, but he's not an intellectual either, though. I'm not going to pretend that he is. I think that he made some very, uh, very real mistakes. Of course, he made mistakes in his presidency. It would be bizarre in a sense if he didn't, right? I mean, you try not to, but of course he made mistakes. He's not a bad guy. He's not a bad person. Look, I'd even say to you, I don't think Barack Obama's a bad person. I just think he has a lot of bad ideas. And I, I think that he has some character flaws that are really problematic that go beyond just his job. Um, but I don't, think he's a, I don't think he's an evil person. Uh, I just think he's really wrong. And I don't think that the, the left was not willing to give Bush that, even that level of benefit of the doubt until now. And now, of course, they're telling us that, well, Bush, when he says this about how a free press is important, it's implicit criticism of the administration. And I just kind of want to say, well, not really. And why do we have to all of a sudden hear from Bush now? I mean, when he's useful to the left. I mean, they hated Bush. They absolutely hated him, and they tried to ruin his reputation. They wanted to throw his vice president in prison, Cheney. We talked about that recently. Uh, that was that was really the plan for the left. It wasn't to just win the election and Barack Obama come into office. They wanted they wanted people thrown in prison. Uh, they said that Bush was a war criminal, and that's not a term that should be thrown around lightly. But the historical amnesia that the press is actively capable of inducing in itself. So it's intentional, right? It's they have willful blindness when they pretend not to see things, and they have willful amnesia when they pretend not to remember things. Uh, their treatment of Bush was absolutely, absolutely despicable, absolutely terrible. But I wanted to just put that into into context because then you see that this story that's out there, or, or this uh, notion that's out there, and pretty widespread one at that, that somehow. Um, it's okay to make Hitler comparisons. To, uh, by the way, there were Bush as Hitler signs at leftist protests under the Bush presidency. That was a real thing. That was going on. That's not something that we've just conjured up. But to have newspapers explicitly drawing comparisons between the tactics of Adolf Hitler and the moves that this Trump administration is making 
it's a scandal that they do this. It really is. It's it's a complete and utter outrage, and yet they do it. They do it. Um, and I have the Washington Post here in front of me. Adolf Hitler. This is the headline. This is Washington Post news analysis, and this is the this is the headline. Adolf Hitler also published a list of uh, a list of crimes committed by groups he didn't like. Um, And they go into this, uh, they go into, let me give you a little bit of this. Trump celebrated the creation of the Victims of Immigration Crime Engagement Office, or VOICE. It will, among, this is in reference to that speech he gave to the joint session of Congress last week. It will, among other things, put out a regular report on the illicit doings of the undocumented. I have ordered the Department of Homeland Security to create an office to serve American victims. We are providing a voice to those who have been ignored by our media and silenced by special interests. Um, uh, and they go on and then they, they talk about this and okay below just two paragraphs this strategy one designed to single out a particular group of people suggesting that there's something particularly sinister about they behave was employed to great effect by Adolf Hitler and his allies in the 1930s the Nazis used a similar tactic to stir up anger and hatred toward Jews Professor Richard, uh, Professor Richard Weikart of, of Cal State explained that Nazi leaders use different kind of communication tools to sell the message that Jews are criminal by disposition, as a 1943 Nazi director of the German press put it. Quote, the Jews are not a nation like other nations, but bearers of hereditary criminality, the order said. Germany, in other words, was out of control, and only Nazi anti-Semitic policies could, quote, restore order. Okay, that's all from this Washington Post piece. Let's talk about this for a minute, shall we? First of all. Uh, it goes without saying that to compare uh, Donald Trump to a regime that uh, murdered 11 million people in the Holocaust, 6 million of them Jews, uh, that is the total number of dead in the Holocaust, by the way, 11 million in the Holocaust, including almost 2 million Catholic Poles, a million gypsies, 6 million Jews. Uh, To compare the Trump administration in any way to that is... Uh, really is really degrading to the notion of analysis. I mean, it, it's a a slander. It's a slur. It's completely unhinged. Uh, and that this is becoming normalized, to borrow a word from the left, should be troubling to all of us because it also demeans the atrocities committed by the Nazi regime. Because Trump has a, Trump has committed zero atrocities, zero. Um, he has done nothing uh, to. Uh, he has done nothing to to anything in, in in the stratosphere of what Hitler did, and that's just any normal, rational person can come to that conclusion. Okay, that's just objective fact. All right, but I also think this is interesting because this this little game that's being played here in the Washington Post of well, the Nazis did this. Think about how you could extend this. You know, I love dogs. I I on the weekends I love to go past. By the way. Uh, there's a law in New York City uh, on the books, and it's been challenged recently in federal court, and the federal court declined to overturn the New York City law. It's very strict about uh, where pet stores in the city can get the dogs from. There have to be inspections. There have to have to pass humane standards. So I'm just I'm I'm going to adopt everybody. We don't have to start telling me angry emails. The plan is to adopt a, a dog. But I just want to say that if I pass through, pass by a pet store and they're in the window, you know, I might like say hi for a minute 
And those dogs, people always say they come from puppy mills. Well, at least according to New York City law, that's pretty hard to pull off now. Um, anyway, maybe I need to, I'll look more into how accurate or how effective that law is. But in the meantime, um, back to the story here. The point is, I love dogs. Hitler loved dogs. Would it be a fair comparison for the Washington Post to write a story uh, like Hitler? Buck Sexton is, was, is quite fond of canines. No, that would be a, a, a preposterous, stupid, dishonest, disingenuous thing to do. But the media here is saying, well, by publishing crimes committed by illegal immigrants, there's, first of all, an inherently racist angle to this. Uh, isn't it interesting? The media, I suppose, is assuming that illegal immigrants are all what? Latino, Mexican, Central American? There are illegal immigrants in this country from all over the world. So what what does what are, what are they telling us here? There's a racial angle to this. How is there a racial angle when there are illegal immigrants from all? It's like when people say that criticism of Islam is is racism. Well, no, that's an idiotic statement. But so it's not racial because there it, it's about crimes committed by illegal immigrants, and there are people now. You could say, oh, but Buck, there are a lot of Latino. I think half of the illegal population in this country is Mexican. Okay, but half is not. And there's a lot of other people represented in there, and they would be covered under this publication. And keep in mind what, what the objection is here. They're objecting to the sharing of facts that directly affect public safety. They have a problem with that. Don't we have a right to know? As we're making policy about illegal immigrants, don't we have a right to know? how? By comparing it to the anti-Semitism of Nazi Germany, I mean, it's... There's a part of me that almost just wants to scream and punch a wall because this is so dumb. But this is the Washington Post, everybody. This is being mainstreamed. By comparing it to what was done in Nazi Germany, uh, they don't stop for a minute to say, oh, hold on a second. The anti-Semitic cartoons and the anti-Semitic propaganda that Nazi Germany was using uh, was explicitly racist and also was all lies. (laughs) So maybe you want to start there. Publishing a list of crimes that are not actually crimes committed by people is very different from publishing a list of crimes committed by a group that has nothing to do with their race, gender, ethnicity, and that is actual crimes in the case of illegal immigrants. So one is all falsehoods and one is reality. That's another distinction that any intelligent human being would make here. If we're going to compare the tactics of Trump and Nazi Germany, which I, I... And you might be saying, Buck, why are you even wasting your time with this? People are doing this. The Washington Post is doing this. Other major news news publications are that they're this has become a talking point on the left that Trump is borrowing from the Hitler playbook. That's what they're saying. It's a it's a just a disgrace. Um, all right, I'm not I'm not done, but I got to go into a break here, and we'll finish this up. Uh, not even probably in the next break, but on the flip side of that one. So stay with me, team. Be right back. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. 
Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Sexton. Welcome back, team. So I was talking to you about the way that they compare Trump's tactics on public awareness about illegal immigrant crime and Nazi Germany. And I, of course, find this to be horrifically uh, nasty, dishonest, and just the worst kind of journalism you can imagine, or journalism and analysis you can imagine. One more point I wanted to make on this, and then we can move on to another subject. And that is this whole situation of looking at a group and publishing crimes committed by the group. We need to tell the FBI. Somebody needs to write to the Washington Post that the FBI is taking Nazi Germany's tactics here because the FBI publishes crimes based by ethnic category. That's FBI data. You can see how many murders committed by African-Americans, how many murders committed by whites, how many murders committed by, and you go down the list. So the FBI is, and has been for a long time now, taking Nazi Germany's playbook on demonizing groups and using them, I suppose. Now, I know you're saying, well, Buck, that's preposterous. Exactly. It's completely and utterly preposterous. The left is preposterous. This is gross misconduct on their part, writing this kind of crap in the Washington Post. All right, we'll take a break here. Back on the flip side. Stay with me. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Sexton. Hey team, so I wanted to uh, take a little little time this afternoon. I know yesterday I was just just like I was hanging out with you. It wasn't really a standard radio show. Just I was just talking to you, um, and I've been doing a lot more of that during the noon show. It's less of a a um, planned out and standard radio broadcast, and it's more of. Uh, I'm just talking to my friends, and that's that's what it's turned into, and, and that's in part because uh, five hours a day of radio that is uh, that you've already set out in your head beforehand, and and you're gonna do the whole presentation radio style. I mean, well, hey, oh, hey, what's a hey, Buck Sexton? It, one, it just is too much. The energy and the uh, the strain on the voice is it's just too much. No one does five hours of solo talk radio a day. Um, I've been doing it now for a month. Uh, no one does this. So <laughs> you'll have to excuse me for uh, taking a, a more mellow. I think some of, some of you have told me you actually like, it's like you're just hanging out with me in my apartment or, I mean, that sounded creepy. You know what I mean? Some of you, it's like you're hanging out with me, you know, just hanging out. Okay. <laughs> We're in a public place drinking coffee or something. Um, but anyway, so, uh, I wanted to share some thoughts about the uh, early days of of radio. Um, 
and how I got in. Because I told you about TV yesterday and the early days of radio. So I went to uh, Restoring Love, which was a huge event at Dallas Cowboy Stadium in, well, obviously in Dallas. And uh, Glenn and the whole Blaze crew put this on. And I was down there. And it was one of the first times that I had ever had the experience of people who knew my work and would see me and were like, hey, I know your work from the thing that you do on TV or whatever. And that was cool. I, I'd never had that before. And it was kind of fun. I just didn't really occur to me. I, I always, uh, it always feels like for me and me, whether it's radio or TV, at least in the early days, you feel like you're doing it for whoever's, especially on TV when you're in a panel, you're, you're doing it for whoever's around you. And sometimes I would even forget that this was, that, that it was being televised. Um, Radio, less so because you know that the the mic is a portal to your audience and your audience is comprised of friends. And the best advice I was ever given on radio for early on was that this is really just a one-to-one conversation with somebody that you want to talk to, you respect, and you care about, and you enjoy talking to. That's what radio is. Best advice I think I've ever gotten on the radio side. Uh, so well, I went down to restoring love and I, uh, they didn't really, I'm going to tell you this. I don't think I've ever told you this before. There's fun things will come to me now that you all know that, uh, next week is my last week. So, um, anyway, uh, they didn't really think of me as somebody who anybody was going to want to talk to from the blaze initially. Uh, there were other people and, uh, I will not name any names, but uh, there are other people who were under the impression that they would be a draw. Uh, and they were, I mean, obviously Glenn was the draw, but then there are other people, Pat's do that everybody also in that world really wanted to see. There were some other people who have since departed the blaze. They're no longer with the blaze. Uh, one or two of them in particular who were under the impression that there would be like a line of people wanting autographs. And we had this whole setup where we were in this uh, bus and I was just there and I, and I was doing uh, some stories for the blaze.com, I think, or I forget, I was just researching, trying to help out. And I was sitting in the back of this, <laughs> I was sitting in the back of this bus, this big campus coach bus. And there were people setting up outside for this meet and greet, uh, this meet and greet with a couple of blaze.com exclusive personalities I'll put it that way uh, people that used to write for the blaze and they thought that they would be a big draw and I was just some guy and uh, I um, you know what I'll, I'll even tell you something I, I had uh, when the initial press release went out for the blaze uh, I'm sorry for real news when the initial press release went out a former uh, dot com writer who will uh, remain unnamed. Because again, I'm not. I'm not. I do not do the talking. Uh, uh, I mean, as you already know, everybody at the Blaze right now. I I have nothing but good things to say about, and I'm tremendously grateful to Glenn, Pat, Stu, the whole team, everybody down in Dallas for uh, launching my career. But some of the former Blaze employees. Uh, less so launched and in some points I think made things more difficult for me than they had to be. And, uh, one of them, uh, in particular, again, I, I'm not naming names. When the initial press release went out about real news, it included my name because I was cast on the show on the blaze TV. And this was a press release that was 
sent out to trade publications, uh, TV news or that, you know, which if you're not in the business, you don't necessarily know about, but people who are in the business read it. And I remember uh, seeing the website version of the press release and I was excised from it. My name was taken out of it. And when I approached this dot-com writer who had tried out for the show and said, uh, hey, um, I'm just wondering, I've seen, this is, I have the press release in my hand as a printout uh, why am I not in the .com version of the press release? You know, it's supposed to just be the same thing. It's a press release. Right? It's, a, it's a formalized document that goes out to everybody. And uh, he said, I only thought we should include the famous people. Um, so for those of you who think that any of this has been preordained or predestined or easy or anything like that, let me tell you, I could tell you many more stories, not necessarily at The Blaze, but just in general in this business, quite similar to that one. Oh, so I'm on the show, but we're going to pretend I'm not because I'm not one of the, quote, famous people on the show. Okay. Uh, I just had to let that one go. But I remember being down at Restoring Love, and the they set up this little place for people to, to sit down, and, and uh, well, the, the, the personalities were sitting down to sign autographs, meet and greet. And I was hovering in the back, and I was I was legitimately handing out water to other Blaze people. And, you know, I was like the water boy. You know, I'm just sort of down there. I mean, yeah, I'd been on Real News for a little while at this point, but I, I didn't consider, and I, I, mean, I still don't consider myself, quote, talent, because I just like what I do, and, and all the rest of it is kind of whatever to me. But I, and I was, and people started sort of pointing at me, you know, Blaze fans, Blaze family, our Blaze extended family started pointing at me. They're like, yeah, hey, it's Buck. And sure enough, people came over to talk to me, and it became an issue because a couple of the people that were at the booth that were supposed to be being talked to were not being talked to, and everyone's coming over to talk to me. And I was not trying to uh, set this up this way. Of course, in retrospect, it sounds like I was the guy who was hovering around the background like, hey, look at me. But I really wasn't. I mean, this was the first time I'd ever had this experience at all of people knowing me from my work that I didn't know, that I hadn't met before. And so that was, that was fun. Uh, that was nice. And that was the big, oh, but I was down restoring. That was before I'd ever done radio. And I said to Dom Theodore, who's the radio program director of The Blaze, you know, I'd love to do radio. And he said, um, well, you know, you, you've never done radio. Why do you, what do you want to think you, what makes you think you want to do radio? And I was just like, I just, I'll be good at it. I just know that this is what I want to do. I had never done it before. And I was telling somebody who was uh, a big part of Glenn's meteoric rise on radio, uh, that I would be good at this. So there was a little bit of uh, chutzpah, but you need that in this business. Uh, there was a little bit of, uh, let's just say confidence, not overconfidence. So uh, that was that was when I and I started doing these, I started sneaking in to do these monologues and not sneaking in, but going into the radio studio when no one else was using it, which wasn't, which meant that I was showing up to do radio monologues that nobody would hear except for Dom at 7.30 in the morning, at you know 4.30 in the afternoon, whenever. I mean, whenever there was nobody else there, I would go into the studio because I wanted it to sound good. I needed recording equipment, and I would do these monologues. What they didn't tell me at the time was that a couple of the Blaze higher-ups heard a few of my first 10-minute monologues, and no one told me this until later on. They were uh, very enthusiastic about the prospects for me on radio, but it was good that they didn't tell me because I was just, you know, just wanted so badly to do this and it was just a matter of focus for me um, but the other part of this that I wanted to tell you is after we had the Saturday show going for a while and 
uh, as I, I think I've told all of you before, in the early days of that show, I was really struggling with uh, what hadn't even been diagnosed or it had just recently been diagnosed, I think maybe a month before, with celiac disease. And the three months previous to that, I just, it was, it was rough. Um, it was like having, uh, every few days it would, it would sort of mimic food poisoning was what would happen or really every other day or sometimes it felt like every day. And that really drains you, literally and figuratively. You are in a very bad place. Uh, so, and, and I kept thinking that it was a, a a bacterial infection they couldn't figure out, and it turned out they ran a celiac test, and then they ran another one, and then they ran well two or at least two or three, and they all were very they were all very positive, including those gold standard tests that involves them doing a an invasive procedure in your GI tract to really make sure. Sure enough, yep, celiac disease. I stopped eating gluten and everything got better. But in the early days of that show, I've told you this, and I just to give you an idea of how much I love doing radio and how much it meant to me in the beginning, uh, I was uh, there was a I had had a talk with my family about the possibility with my mom about uh, wearing an uh, adult diaper while I did the show because it was so I was so sick during that three hour broadcast and I had to get up so often to go to the bathroom. So that. Um, that was tough to start out, but uh, the team, uh, all of you, and the more I got to interact with you and <clears throat> uh, feel this bond that you really grow with the radio audience, it just they, there was nothing that was going to keep me out of there on Saturday. Uh, I wasn't contracted to do the show on Saturday. I was not paid to do the show on Saturday. Think about that. I don't know if I've ever told you guys that. I wasn't paid a dime to do that show. I did that show for free. I worked for 15 months. I mean, with some holidays off, sure, but no real vacation. 15 months, six days a week to get to the five-day-a-week show. So over a year of doing Saturday shows. Um, but the a real turning point uh, for me and also for the people in this business that uh, learned about me and, and what I was trying to do came at Man in the Moon. And some of you listening were probably there, so this... I hope has a special resonance for you. We were doing, uh, it came up last minute. I was just going down there to be supportive and meet Blaze Blaze fans, Blaze readers, Blaze viewers, listeners, uh, be around the Blaze people. I, it, it was just, I wanted to go. I went on the weekend. It was a weekend event. And they just thought about this at the last minute. They figured, they said, well, you know, why don't you just do your show from down there instead of having a pre-taped show or having a fill-in? So I said, sure, there was this area that was a looked like a almost a trade show, but it was booths of different sponsors for the Blaze and all the rest of it. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll do my show from, from there, sure. So we set up, and on Saturday morning, I remember a couple of Blaze employees, uh, my fellow Blazers, I woke up in the morning, and you know the show, uh, show was 12 to 3, and I was going down there maybe around 11 a.m., and they said, "Buck, you got, you got to come quickly. You got to, you got to, you got to come. You don't, you're not going to believe this. There are people who are waiting for your show." And I was like, "Wait, waiting for my radio show? What do you mean?" And I came into this big area, this convention area, where all this different Blaze stuff had been set up, and I just had a little folding table with some radio gear on it and set up to do radio. And sure enough, there. A lot of them seated Indian style, uh, or is that a microaggression? I don't know what you call it. Cro- cross-legged, sorry, on the floor. Um, a lot of them were uh, wearing 
Tommy Bear t-shirts. Team Buck was was there. And they were sitting there waiting for me to come and do the show. And I have to say, it was uh, it was one of the most, you know, forget it. I mean, yeah, the filling in for Rush was awesome. And the first time I did Fox, and I've told you about some of these other important events along the way. That was one of the coolest moments I've had in the now almost six years of doing this. It'll be six years in a couple months. That was awesome. Um, that people were wearing Commie Bear t-shirts, were waiting there to hang out with me. And for those of you who were there, I just want to let you know, that was really noticed, not just by me in a way that was really moving and, and I, it mattered to me a lot. Uh, it was noticed by the Blaze, uh, the Blaze bosses, executives, and some other people, including people that have been essential and instrumental in my career up to this day, especially on radio. Because of you, those of you who have listened to me all this time, and those of you who were at Man in the Moon wearing Commie Bear t-shirts, waiting to hang out with me, uh, that's why this is all happening for me now. So I owe you, I really do owe you all a, a debt of gratitude, and I am incredibly thankful uh, for each one of you who listens to my show, and for those of you who were there that day at Man in the Moon, that was awesome. It was awesome to me, and a lot of other people who saw that were like, this show is something special, isn't it? All right, team, I'm going to hit a break. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, team. Uh, obviously, went long there before, but I, I really wanted to. I think I've told some of you that story. I've told that story on air before, but uh, I wanted to share it again. Uh, I that was the uh, in a lot of ways, Man in the Moon that day, and the Team Buck, uh, Team Buck folks who were there that day, and those supporting me all this time as well, of course. Uh, that's what's launched me now into national syndication and hopefully very big things in the future. I'm going to try. I'm going to give it all I've got, team. So as long as you are with me by my side, we'll be good to go. Until tomorrow, Shields High. Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh,